Hello, guys. Welcome to the Upbeat Dietitians podcast. Hello, everyone. We wanted to quickly let you know that we are taking about a month break on posting new episodes. We wanted to share kind of, we still want to give you something to listen to. So we're going to repost some of our favorite old episodes from way back when. Yeah, we have tons of content. We're going to share some of our favorites and we will be back for season five in November. So enjoy these throwbacks and we will see you with brands, bank and new episodes in season five. Oh, enjoy. Enjoy. I'm Emily and I'm Hannah. We are best friends and dietitians. We have a goal of challenging nutrition misinformation and fitness trends with an evidence-based approach. Each episode, we will dish up our thoughts about the latest facts on a popular health-related topic. We're the Upbeat Dietitians. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Upbeat Dietitians podcast. Hi, guys. Welcome back. Today, we have a very special guest with us. We have Christina Parrish all the way from the Carolinas over there is where we got her from. So we know Christina from Purdue. She was a few years ahead of us in dietetics. And Christina is a very wonderful sports dietitian. She's going to be going through with us um, kind of the correlation between nutrition and exercise and how they kind of go together. So start us off, Christina. Why don't you take us through kind of a day in the life, what you do for work, talk about, you know, your education, all that good stuff. Sure. So kind of like Hannah said, um, I went to Purdue for my undergrad where I got my dietetic degree. Um, And then while I was there, I volunteered with the sports nutrition department, which is kind of where I found my niche. I really, really enjoyed it, had a lot of fun with it. Um, And then I also worked in the athletic dining room with Hannah and Emily as well. Um, and just kind of furthered my, um, interest in sports nutrition and everything like that. So I kind of knew that's what I wanted to pursue after I finished my internship. Um, but you need a lot, a lot, a lot of experience to get into it. So after I finished my internship, um, I applied to a bunch of like fellowships, internships, things like that, where they were paid positions, but you weren't really paid very much. Um, and they weren't full-time positions either. So no benefits or anything like that, but you get really, really good experience. So I started off at the university of Virginia, um, where I had a year long internship there, um, and continued to learn grow as a dietitian. Um, and then it was kind of weird because that ended in December and most colleges aren't really hiring around that time. So, found myself in another internship and this time I was at Rutgers in New Jersey. Um, but the cool thing about that job is the director of sports nutrition there was on maternity leave. So I kind of got to fill in, um, her role and kind of take over a director position without fully being a director, which kind of propelled me into the position I am now, which is the director of sports nutrition at East Carolina university. So awesome. Sports nutrition is very, it's a crazy field. I know you and Emily have had more experience in that than I have for sure. I just had my like time at Purdue when I did like the volunteer stuff, but you always just hear about all the different experience you have to get to like finally land like your dream role one day. Hopefully everyone ends up getting there, but it takes a lot of work. 
Yes, a lot of work, a lot of time, but you usually get free food, so it's kind of worth it. <laughs> true. Pays off, pays off. Yes. Well, tell us kind of about like a whole day in the life. So I know it's probably dependent on the season, but take us through kind of what you do day to day as a sports RD. Yeah, so um, kind of like you said, depending on the season will depend on how early I have to be in. <laughs> but usually it's around six or seven in the morning. And um, at East Carolina, typically football is lifting in the morning. So we will do that. Um, I'll help with post-workout stuff. Um, we'll do like breakfast sometimes, things like that. That'll basically take up my morning until like 10. Um, then I might do some restocking. Um, and I guess I didn't mention, so East Carolina didn't have a sports dietitian before they hired me, so I'm the first one. Um, and I don't have any assistance or anything yet. So I kind of rely on myself and then some of the strength coaches help out a lot. And then um, I have undergraduate volunteers as well. It's definitely not as um, structured as it was when we were at Purdue, but I'm kind of working on getting it there. But um, so if I don't have a student, I kind of do the restocking and all that fun stuff. Um, then I might meet with some athletes do like one on one consults, things like that. Um, I might uh, do some body comp stuff, depending on the time of year. Again, who's in season, who's not. Might go to Sam's Club. I might um, have other meetings with administration or athletic training or coaches. Then I'll usually go up to lunch. So we do, um, we kind of have a much smaller athletic dining room than we did at Purdue. Um, but it's similar to like when we were there where it's just football and men's and women's basketball. And then we just added baseball this summer as well. Um, so I'll go up there, make sure everything's ready to go. Um, you know, help the athletes make good choices, things like that. And then between lunch and dinner, it'll kind of be the same as the morning. I'll just do some stocking. I might have meetings, might do consults, and then we'll do dinner again at the training table. Um, and so I'll typically, typically get off like 637, um, unless it's football season and practice will usually get over around six or seven. So then I'll have dinner after that. Then I go home and go to sleep. <laughs> and repeat the next day. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. A very, very busy day, kind of like I feel like every day. Sports yeah. is, there's always something going on. Yeah. It goes by fast, though, when you're busy, you know, like you're never sitting around staring at the clock. So that's kind of one of the things I enjoy. Mm -hmm. Definitely very nice. I feel like especially those office jobs, I just think of that. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> people call my office phone and I'm barely ever in there. And they're like, you didn't answer your phone. And I'm like. Call my cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So when you aren't working for average 12 hours a day, what do you like to do for fun in your free time? Um, so I really, really, typical dietitian, but I really, really enjoy cooking. So I like looking up new recipes. I usually just go on Pinterest and we'll look something up, but maybe not so typical. Um, I really enjoy baking. So I usually, that's what I usually do on the weekends if it's not football season and we have games. Um, but I'll try to bake something and then I usually bring it into work so I don't eat it all. Um, unless it's really, really good, then I might keep it for myself. But, um, also, 
just because I'm in that kind of environment. I enjoy working out. Uh, I've always been a runner, so I enjoy doing that as well. And then, you know, maybe some reading. I always have like a book to read during the season just because we travel so much. So it's kind of good to have a book on hand. I'm not one to like sleep on a plane. So (laughs) to like keep myself busy for those long trips. Very cool. So I guess we kind of discussed a bit of it with, your day-to-day and what those responsibilities might look like, but what exactly for people to, I guess, give them like a more general understanding of what a sports dietitian is, because I feel like a lot of people know about like the clinical setting and they know food service, but they might not be as familiar with sports. And basically what your take is on what a sports dietitian is and then also how to become a sports dietitian. Okay, so um, sports dietitian, obviously you do all the stuff you do to become a dietitian, um, but I feel like the main difference is your focus is more on performance um, and that might entail body composition and, um, you know, losing or gaining weight, things like that, but feel like the main focus is always going to be performance because you're always trying to enhance the athlete's performance, whether it's getting them to run faster, jump higher, jump further, um, whatever the case might be. That's always what your nutrition kind of revolves around. Now, you know, subcategories of that might, might be they need to lose fat or gain muscle or whatever, um, and you kind of help them with that, but while keeping in mind that their performance is ultimately the biggest factor of their lives right now. So to become a sports dietitian, um, first you need a lot of experience, whether it's working in the collegiate setting or the professional setting, or even your recreational athletes. A lot of dietitians work with marathon runners or triathletes, um, bodybuilders, um, CrossFit people, things like that. Um, so I would include all of that as being a sports dietitian, but I feel like you always have to work kind of under someone who has that experience because a lot of it is the hands-on learning and kind of depending on what setting you want to go into, whether it's collegiate or professional or whatever the case might be, um, learning the nitty grittiness of that is often almost always hands-on versus, you know, reading, Um, But there is the reading aspect as well, because most sports dietitians end up wanting to get their CSSD, so their Certified Specialist in Sports Dietetics um, certification. So you have to be a dietitian for at least two years first, and then you have to sit for an exam. Um, And you also have to log, I think, 2,000 hours. I think it might be 1,500 now, but it was 2,000 when I took it but I think they decreased it a little bit because they count your masters as some of that, some of the hours now as well, which is super cool considering you have to be, have your masters, I think pretty soon, 2024. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have to have your masters anyway. So that's super helpful that some of your masters hours can count towards that. But um, after that, I really think the most important part is that experience though. It's definitely not a field you can just jump into and, um, do, um, especially since in your internship, I feel like it's mostly clinical based, maybe food service, kind of depending on what internship you do. But I know in mine, I didn't really get too, too much sports nutrition experience. 
Do you feel like what we did, like an undergrad and like even volunteering with Purdue, do you feel like that prepared you at all for your first sports RD job? Or do you feel like you had a lot of learning to do that first, that first I time? I feel like when I came, when I was first applying to jobs, I felt like I was ready. And then when I actually got into it, I realized everything I didn't know. Um, so it's kind of like, you don't know what you don't know. Sure. Um, so I thought I was, and then, you know, when I started at UVA, I was like, oh, I never thought about, like, having a budget and making sure that you mm-hmm. don't go over your budget or, you know, like, little things like that that you might not think about that's not going to be on the RD exam or that, you know, we didn't know when we were volunteering, but we just went and got the muscle milks and put them in the fridge and, right. you know, check the expiration date and that's it. <laughs> so I... I feel like it definitely gave you a starting point and I think volunteering, well, at least for me, I know volunteering helped me decide that that was, you know, the path I wanted to take, but, um, I think it minimally prepared me, but I didn't know it at the time. <laughs> yeah. Cause like what you said, like most RD positions like clinical or food service, we focus so much on that during school and barely anything right. on sports that it makes sense that after graduation is when you learn the most. So that's probably stressful, but also really fun to just get to learn all that and all at once, like with your hands, getting your hands dirty right away. (laughs) Yes, exactly. All right, cool. Well, let's get into talking more about like the specifics, kind of like what you would tell maybe like your, your athletes. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell us about the importance of pre-workout nutrition and kind of give us some examples of like good pre-workout snacks as well, if you will. Sure. So I always, my favorite analogy, and I really don't even know where I learned it, but I still use it to this day. And I've used it probably since I started working with athletes, but I always think of pre-workout nutrition equivalent to gas that you put in your car. So you never take a road trip or you never really go anywhere on an empty gas tank. And that's kind of how you have to treat your body. So if you're about to expend all this energy and break down all this muscle, you want to have a full gas tank or you're just not going to get as much out of your workout as you can, which in turn kind of defeats the purpose of working out anyway, because at least when I work out, I want to get everything I can out of it. I don't want to waste my time and energy and then not see results. So that's kind of how I explain it to my athletes. Um, And then when you're thinking of pre-workout fuel, you think mostly carbohydrates. So the closer you get to working out, the simpler the carbs you want them to be. So if it's, you know, 15, 20 minutes before you work out, you want to have like a really quick source. I usually tell athletes to just drink some juice or Gatorade or some some type of liquid because it just tends to sit better on their stomachs. If you've got more time, you know, maybe a bagel or a piece of white bread, um, maybe goldfish, fruit snacks, you know, more of the solid foods, but still simple carbs. And then if you've got, you know, two plus hours, you can have a regular well-rounded meal. For, I know there are so many different types of like exercise and everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure people are wondering if they should change their pre-workout nutrition based off the type of activity, whether that's more of like a cardio heavy workout, weightlifting, um, really anything in between whatnot. Yeah. Um. I feel like generally, if you're doing more of the cardio type exercises, that's when you're worried about feeling heavy or um, having that kind of 
full feeling in your stomach. You don't really want that sloshing around. So that's when I would go for a smaller but like quick carb um, and would stay away from the proteins and the fat. So if I'm having a bagel, I'm not slathering it with peanut butter, cream cheese. Um, if I'm doing, I don't know, like pretzels and hummus, I'd probably just skip out on the hummus if I was doing a more intense or like higher heart rate cardio type stuff. Um, now everyone's a little different. So if you can tolerate it, that's cool. But I mean, if not, then that's, I would kind of stay away from those types of things like the proteins and the fats. Um, if you're doing more of a, a weightlifting session where maybe your heart rate's not getting as high, you're not like jumping, running, things like that. I think you can generally tolerate something a little heavier. Um, so you can add, you know, the peanut butter to your bagel, or you could dip your pretzels in hummus. Um, you can have some nuts on the side. Um, I don't think like those types of foods generally weigh you down when you're lifting weights. You kind of, I realized we kind of went into the next question a little <laughs> bit, <laughs> no um, but I know I, I got in requests for this, podcast because mm -hmm. so many people want to hear from a sports dietitian <laughs> about this because a lot of people do have or they have expressed to me that they have very sensitive stomachs yeah and they don't like eating a lot before a workout so mm -hmm. just I guess to kind of reiterate that part of what yeah. you just said if you'd like to um go over that any recommendations you have for them and examples of what they can eat even yeah. though you already provided. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Um, usually if you have a more sensitive stomach, I would either give yourself more time to digest before working out. So it's a lot easier if you're working out in the afternoon. Um, so if you're someone who's getting up at 6 a.m. to work out, that might not be as feasible. And then for people like that that are doing those early morning workouts or if you're going straight from work to the gym, um, that's when I would focus on those liquid calories, you know, maybe you're drinking some Gatorade and maybe you're drinking, um, some apple juice, orange juice, something like that, or having a light smoothie. Um, and then also know that you can train your stomach as well. So if you've gone your whole life working out on an empty stomach, your body's just used to doing that. So you start slow, you know, you're not drinking a whole 32 ounce Gatorade, like maybe you're drinking a cup of Gatorade. Um, and then you slowly increase that and see how you feel. And you wait till you tolerate it until you go to the solid food. So you can kind of train yourself just like you're training during your workouts to um, tolerate more. So you, you can lift more, but not initially. So it's kind of the same way. So you can eat more, but maybe not initially. So you kind of have to treat your training and your nutrition as a whole. So you're training your stomach and you're training your muscles. I love that. Yeah. That's a good analogy. That was awesome. That was a really good, just a lot of good general tips for pre-workout nutrition. So let's jump into post-workout now. So kind of the same question. What is the importance of nutrition after your workouts? So just like pre-workout, post-workout, you want to replenish everything that you did during your workout. So you burned all those calories, you're breaking down muscle, um, it doesn't really make sense, again, to put in all that work and not get all the results you could. So if you're skipping out on your post-workout because you're trying to lose weight, it still really doesn't make sense because you're not going to build muscle, which, you know, is generally what people want, especially if you're um, if you're trying to, you know, stay fit or whatever that 
the case might be. Um, and then especially the case for athletes, obviously, you want them to recover so they're ready for the next session, or they might have practice later, or they might have competition the next day. So if you skip out on that post-workout, you end up being more sore, sore for longer, you're at risk for injury, just a lot of bad things that tend to snowball over time as well. Yeah, yeah. I know I just feel like starving after workout, so I can't imagine like not wanting to eat right after. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, also just like the pre-workout does, the foods that you choose after your workout depend on whether it's like cardio, weightlifting, anything in between, like Emily said, does that kind of mm -hmm. matter as well? Yeah, so usually also the, um, I guess how long you're working out for as well, because the longer you're working out, I mean, the more calories you're burning, the more glycogen in your muscles you're breaking down. So the longer the workout, the more carbs you might need. And then also if you're doing more cardio type exercises. That means you're burning more of the glycogen store. So you want to include more carbs in your post-workout. Um, if you're doing more of a weightlifting type workout, you typically don't need as many carbs afterwards, um, but you, in both cases, you wanna hit that protein. So you wanna make sure you're having some kind of source of protein after, um, whether it's a, you know your typical protein shake or you can have a, you know, a normal meal too. So I feel like usually if you work out in the morning, then you eat breakfast, or if you work out in the evenings, you probably eat dinner. Um, the people that work out, you know, during their lunch break might be the ones that have more trouble getting a meal in. So they might opt for, you know, maybe something quicker, like a, um, a yogurt parfait or chocolate milk or something like that. And I know um, a lot of people have talked about like how with like protein shakes, I see it all the time where they have them ready at the gym. And mm -hmm. I feel like so many people have talked about how they need to take it right away or else it's not going to like optimize their right. muscle building. Um, and I'd love to hear from you, your two cents on that in terms of getting some type of post-workout nutrition, post nutrition in after a workout and how much the timing matters. Mm -hmm. um, so that whole like, I mean, I feel like there's so many – I guess, tips out there. Like some people say 30 minutes, some people say an hour. Um, I feel like as long as you're getting something in within an hour, you're going to be fine. And that's not to say that if you don't get it in in an hour, that your workout was a waste. Um, I do, you know, you work out and your, your blood flow increases. So it is, you know, the quicker, as long as you're eating while that blood flow is still there, it tends to, you know, help you recover and get to your muscles quicker, but I don't, I mean, it's not going to just not be good for you if it's past an hour, past half an hour. I think you just, you get it in when it's convenient for you. Um, now, if you work out at night and then just go to bed, then you're going to have some problems. Or if you work out in the morning and then get coffee on your way to work and just go to work without eating, and then you don't eat till lunch, then yeah, you're not going to recover as well. So I think there's a happy medium in there, but people have taken that um, <laughs> guideline a little too seriously. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I feel like it's like people either hit like one or the other, where it's yeah. like, I have to get all my nutrition in right away, or people are like, not at all. Coffee will do. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
And I think it's the convenience too. Like it's convenient to drink a protein shake after because you don't have to cook it. You don't have to blend it. It's like in a bottle and ready to go. Um, but it just kind of depends on your lifestyle and if you have that time or if you don't. Yeah, I love a good protein shake, but I think it's silly to like be literally walking out of the gym drinking it because you feel like you have to get that protein synthesis going ASAP. Right. That's just thankfully we have more leeway than that. Yes, yeah. for sure. But we love realistic guidelines yes. and tips, <laughs> not cut and dry. That's right. why we love dietitians. Anything. I feel like dietitians <laughs> dietitians get it. Yes. Just wish everyone else listened to us a little more. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> That's a a whole nother battle. Uh, yes. <laughs> it is. So I guess just to like wrap up everything we've kind of dis- discussed in this episode now, what is kind of your final verdict statement? What you want the people to know? <laughs> Uh, to, to basically take away from this episode, it can be about pre and post workout nutrition, um, whatever you'd like to give your two cents on. Sure. So, uh, this is something I say to pretty much all my athletes, especially when I first do, um, when I first meet, you know, incoming freshmen and we do like a general nutrition talk. Um, one of my nutrition rules, if you will, is to never to always bookend your workouts. So by that, I mean, you're always eating something before workout and you're always eating something after workout and you never, ever, ever miss those two, two eating times or snacks or whatever it might be. Um, just because that's how important it is. And especially for athletes, because, you know, they don't get a lot of off days. They don't have a lot of time to recover. So Every little thing that they can do um, is only going to help them. And then every little thing that they don't do is only going to hurt them even more. So that's kind of, you know, my golden rule that I'm like, if you don't remember anything else I ever teach you in your four years here, it's at (laughs) least to eat before and after a workout. You heard it here, folks. (laughs) (laughs) Make sure you are eating something before and after. Because I think I know, most people I know, I think, don't actually do that. So, yeah. Now they know. One or the other. Mm -hmm. And it's usually after, I feel like. People are always trying to exercise fasted for some reason. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) To our fun section of the episode (laughs) where we get to debate. I'm really excited for this one because I I don't think any of us are going to agree um so that always makes it more fun but (laughs) and we always let our guests go first so what is the proper way to eat an oreo christina so i don't know if this is weird or not but i really really like frosting so i always separate it and then i eat the part the end of the cookie without the frosting because that's my least favorite part and then i (laughs) eat the side with the frosting because then you have a lot more frosting and a lot less cookie. But that's how I think the proper way to eat an Oreo is. Cool. Cool, cool. <laughs> Hannah, Hannah, how I do you actually properly eat ex- one? Yes, I, I'm not the weird one. I am the exact <laughs> same way. I love the frosting a lot more than the cookie in, itself. Mm-hmm. I will say 
I like to like try all the different crazy flavors. And so what I do if I get a new one is I usually do two at a time and I'll like take a just full on bite of it whole of the first one. And then if I like keep eating them, that's when I separate them. But if I try a new Oreo, I like to get the full experience of like the full cookie itself. But if I know what it tastes like already, that's when I'll start to like separate it and take it <laughs> apart like that. So I, I totally agree. That's the right look way. At your, um, your Instagram and I see all the different flavors. I've been <laughs> trying them too, not as frequently. And I feel like the grocery stores around here don't have as many fun flavors. But I just tried the carrot cake one. I think that's my favorite one right now. <laughs> those are so good. Yes. I love those. I feel like there has been a there's been a lack of new flavors. There's two new ones coming out right now. Like right now they're in stores. I don't know why Oreo is not sponsoring me, honestly. But <laughs> um, the one that is out right now in stores, I should have looked for it today. Darn it. I was at Kroger this morning. It is a salted brownie one. Ooh. So that's the newest. And then in this fall, they're going to have like a, um apple cider donut one. Ooh, that sounds so good. That yeah. does sound good. So the brownie one's out now. So when I get it, you guys will know. <laughs> Be sure to check out Hannah's Instagram yes, for the yes. review. Okay, Emily, let us know how you eat an Oreo. So I also have two ways, but it's based off of my laziness. <laughs> if I don't if I don't feel like making a mess or I'm just like more hungry, I'll eat it all together. But I really like separating them. But then I feel like, I don't know if this is normal, where I like eating the frosting by itself. And then I put it back together and eat it as, like, two Oh, no. I no. think if we like frosting so much, we would not enjoy it that way. <laughs> that's that's too much cookie. Too much cookie. Yeah, that's, that's way too much cookie. If I eat the frosting off of it, I just throw the cookie <laughs> part away. <laughs> I would literally get a tub of just frosting and, like, just yeah. eat that. I would, too. <laughs> Maybe Oreo should sell their two components separately. (laughs) I would totally buy that. Hannah, I was going to ask, do you eat yours? No, you do. You do, because you didn't like how I ate it. Um, You eat the frosting with the cookie when you separate it. Yeah, occasionally I'll have, like, just the frosting itself. Like, I'll just, like, peel that part off and just eat that and, like, just discard the cookie. (laughs) Depends on my mood. I guess I have, like, three ways of eating it then. It just really depends. Look at us. There's so many fun ways to eat cookies. (laughs) Do you guys use milk? Do you guys ever dip them in milk or is that like a no-go? I haven't in a really long time. I haven't. I don't do it with any of the new flavors because I feel like the new flavors have enough going on. But I have like the original. I used to when I was like in high school and younger still, but not since then. But yeah. I never buy the regular Oreos anymore either. <laughs> I don't either. There's so many new ones. I don't know why yeah. you would. Yeah. Emily, do you ever use milk? Well, not real milk for you probably, but no, all the milk or anything. Okay. No. I don't think that'd fit my eating method. It's <laughs> true. That's true. Uh, Might moisten them a little bit, I guess. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, just the cookie's so dry. I know. That's why I don't like it, I think. Yeah, me too. I don't know. <laughs> and I can't imagine, like, dipping the carrot cake one in milk or, like, the birthday cake one. Uh, I don't no. know. I feel like it would like make it worse. Yeah, it would not be good. 
The the brownie one though that you talked about might be good in milk. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I'll I'll do a with milk review on Instagram. You have That'd my word. That'd be a good post workout. You'd get your carbs from the Oreo, your protein from the milk. There we go. Dietitian <laughs> yeah. approved. There we go. <laughs> or you could just eat the Oreo before workout. That's simple carbs. <laughs> I wouldn't I've not. Done that. I might not go for a run, but I could lift some weights after eating some Oreos. Like, yeah. <laughs> We kind of like to end our guest sessions by asking you where you would like listeners to find you at or any really resources you'd like to share with them. Yeah. So, I mean, I have an Instagram, but it's pretty much just a personal account. I don't really, um, I mean, I like post things that are going on at ECU and maybe like personal recipes and things like that. But a lot of, you'll find a lot of baking stuff on there, though. <laughs> but that's just parish underscore K. P-A-R-R-I-S-H underscore K. Then my Twitter is a lot more. um, It's all nutrition. A lot of like ECU stuff as well, obviously. Um, But that's Parish underscore R-D. So P-A-R-R-I-S-H underscore R-D. And we'll be sure to link that too in case you did not get that just now. (laughs) Well, Christina, thank you so much for coming on here we were so excited to see you again since i don't know the last time we've all talked it's definitely been years yeah i'll like i feel like i either respond to your guys's like instagram stories a lot or i think i've texted you guys a couple times as well but Mm -hmm. yeah it's literally been since our purdue days which it's sad it's so long long ago for me not (laughs) you guys not yet but there but I do miss it I miss being at Purdue I do too think about it all the time I know and sometimes I'll see um like posts from them and like everything is under construction everything's gone and that makes me feel old too (laughs) I know I feel like if we ever go revisit it's gonna be like a totally new campus yeah I won't recognize anything it's gonna be so sad Oh, we're getting old. Yeah, it's sad. <laughs> so sad. Well, yeah, Christina, we really appreciate having you on. This will be such a good episode for our listeners. Um, yeah, thank you so much. We really, really appreciate yeah, it. Of course. Thanks for having me. It's great talking to you guys and catching up. Alrighty, everyone. You know, that I say this every time. You do this every time. <laughs> um, thank you so much for tuning into another episode, and we hope you tune in again next week. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> ding, yes. ding, ding. All right. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in on this episode of The Upbeat Dietitians with your hosts, Emily Krause and Hannah Thompson. We appreciate you all so much for continuing to support us. In order to support us and sustain the success of this podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. If you'd like to provide us feedback for future episodes and guest stars, follow us on Instagram at The Upbeat Dietitians. Lastly, you can show us support by providing a monthly donation using the link at the end of our bio. Once again, thank you so much for listening today and stay tuned next Wednesday for a new episode. Until then, we hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.